Hey, good morning. How you doing? There we go. Oh, we're getting closer to Thanksgiving. That's how you know, because all the excitement gets really dull. It's like, how you doing? Hey, hey. Everybody's getting used to breaking off and, and eating too much and all that. So let's try this again. You ready? Hey, good morning. How you doing? There we go. There we go. Excited. Hey, my name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor this church. And if you're visiting with us, let me just give a couple of announcements before we get into the word today. Uh, first of all, if you're looking to connect, you can do that a couple of ways. Uh, one, if you're here in person, when you came in, you were given a paper connection card. You'll fill that out for us, and then I'll tell you what to do with it in a minute. And then also, whether you're in person or online, you can connect with us through our digital connection card. So you can text VICTORY18 to the number 31996, and that's going to send you a digital connection card. And uh, that'll let us know, be able to get connected with you, reach out, and just, again, make connection. Also, if you are here in person, I want to encourage you to do something. When, when you're leaving, you can show that paper connection card or the evidence that you did it over your phone to our Welcome Center, and they got a nice gift for you. We just want to say thank you so much for spending your Sunday morning with us. It's just excited to have you here with us. Also, if you're looking to give, you can do that in three ways here. Uh, number one, you can do it through our online portal, whether it's our website or our app. Second, you can text to give as much as you text to connect, and so that number will be coming up on the screen. And then as you're leaving out today, there'll be an auditorium host with a bucket you can give in cash, check, and that form. And every Sunday, I try to do my best to take a moment and just kind of say, hey, I just want you to know what we're doing with the finances. Every month, so many of you are faithful to tithe and give every month so that we're able to do so many things. One of the things that we're able to do is the announcement we made last week, right? Yeah, all right. So those of you that weren't here are like, wait a minute, what happened? What happened? Uh, um, but uh, some of the other things we can do are outreaches, and I want to share real quick what we're doing. I don't have all the details yet because we are still in conversation, but in December, we do we link with a couple of organizations with that angel tree, angel tree concepts, excuse me. Uh, we do that with Rock Springs Middle School as well as our partnership through the YMCA, and this year we found out that through the YMCA, we're going to be providing and wrapping gifts for uh, those that are currently in the domestic abuse center here in Smyrna, Tennessee. So I just think that's incredible that families that have been uh, kind of you know, displaced from their home through those kind of events, that we'll be able to come in and, and purchase and wrap and provide Christmas for them. So I have way more details as far as dates and all that uh, very soon. I'm still working that out with the director of the Y and so on. But it's just an exciting, exciting time to be able to serve. If you know anything about Victory, we're all about helping and serving other people. And so when you get in the holidays, we just get to ramp that up. And so we'll be talking about all the different things that we're doing. When you came in, you were given a brochure. I really want to encourage you to hang on to that. Uh, it has a couple of dates in it. One, one of the things it has is the, the Sunday service dates for the month of December. The only thing that's different, you'll notice, is that on the weekend of Christmas, we won't be meeting on Sunday. We'll have a Friday night uh, Christmas Eve service, and then we will not gather the Sunday after Christmas. We'll be back to normal that first weekend in January. You'll also notice on there that next Sunday is the last growth track meeting for this year. So we won't have one in December again because of the holidays. So if you haven't done growth track, you want to get involved, you want to serve on a dream team, you want to know more about victory and where you fit in, do us a favor, join that class next Sunday right after service. Uh, It'll be about 30, 45 minutes. You'll get all your information. It's a one-stop shop. You don't want to miss it. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Uh, obviously, I made an incredible announcement next Sunday, or last Sunday, sorry, and just letting you know that as we continue to nail down those details throughout the next couple of weeks and months, I'll be sharing that information and what that looks like, our exact moving date, and all kinds of different things. So just stay in tune to our website, our Facebook, and of course, live services as to information. I know a lot of people expressed to me, hey, we want to help, we want to be involved. We're going to have plenty of stuff 
to do. And so just keep letting us know that you want to be there, you want to be involved, and you'll be able to be a part of that. It's just going to be an incredible, an incredible moment. All right, so today we start a brand new series. Uh, if you've been with us, we've been going through the book of Acts, and we stopped last week on chapter 16. We'll pick it back up in 2022. But I want to take four weeks, and I want to focus on a specific series, as not only are we gearing up for the end of the year, but we're gearing up for moving to a permanent location. And so all of those things are important for us as a church, and what we're going to talk about over the next week, next few weeks is important as well. I wanted to name this series The Greatest Adventure for this reason. Being somebody who has been tithing and trusting God with my finances now for many, many years, I could testify that there is nothing, or, or how, how do I say this correctly? I'll testify that there is a great adventure when you start to trust God with your finances. Uh, if, if you agree with me, let's just kind of, give me kind of a whoo, give me kind of an excitement, whoo, all right. So, so we know what we're dealing with in this room. We understand that there's faith to it, but there's also excitement to it, and there's adventure to it. And so I want to show you that. I want to show you that over the next couple of weeks through scripture, but I also want to show you that through personal testimonies of people you know and people you don't know. And I really want to help you see that there's more to it than maybe what you've been taught. And I, th I think that's the important part, is that depending on what your faith looks like, depending on when you got saved, depending on what kind of religious system you've grown up in, I, I want to really go after your thought of when it comes to God's provision over your life and the adventure of it. And I want to help you see it the way I see it and the way I think that many in here see it today and the way that I think we should see it. So if you got your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 16. If you got your Bibles, whether it's on your phone or you have the paper Bible, or the book, <laughs> uh, turn to Exodus chapter 16. It's the second book in the Bible, Genesis, Exodus. Uh, and as you're turning there, let me give you just a real quick brief update as to what's happening when we get there. The children of Israel, the Israelites, had been in slavery under Pharaoh. God spoke to Moses and sent Moses to set them free. As you know, Moses was the spokesperson. God set them free. And then they go through the whole Red Sea experience, right, where God splits the Red Sea. Y'all know this. You learned about this through movies or at least, you know, on felt boards when you were growing up. Uh, they get through the Red Sea. They get into the wilderness. And now everything's good except for the fact that now they have to survive in the wilderness. They're supposed to be there for 40 days. They end up being there for 40 years. And one of the things that they have to look for or need or desire is food. They need provision. They need resource. And God makes a promise to Moses that he's going to send food to the Israelites from heaven. So we'll look at that in a minute where God told it to Moses. But right now we're going to look at it when Moses tells the people. So here we go. Exodus chapter 16. We're going to start at verse 10. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to verse 10. It says, while Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, so to all of the thousands of people that were on this journey, they looked toward the desert and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. They're grumbling before we judge them. They were hungry. It's okay to be hungry. When they were in slavery, they had buckets of food. And so now they don't have that. And so obviously, like we would do, they're concerned that they're not going to have anything to eat. It says, tell them that at twilight, you will eat meat. And in the morning, you'll be filled with bread. So at night you'll get meat, in the morning you'll get bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. I think that's interesting. We'll come back to that hopefully later if I can remember. That evening, quail came and covered the camp. So quail, bird had died. It was all over the camp. They could pick it up and eat it. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. We're going to talk about that more in a couple weeks as well. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost, frosted flakes 
were on the ground, and they appeared on the desert floor. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? What is this? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told, and some gathered much, and some gathered little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. I want to talk to you this morning from the idea making bread. Anybody in here ever made bread before? Uh, bread is my weakness. I've admitted that to all of you. And so, you know, as Christmas comes around the corner, if anybody in here makes fresh bread, I think you should love me by bringing me some for Christmas. Um, but, you know, obviously, and I don't know if you ever looked in the Urban Dictionary, or maybe you've, I don't know how old this goes back, but at one point, money was referred to as bread. You remember that? Get, getting the bread. I don't, I, don't, again, I don't remember what culture that falls into or what generation that falls into. But I was thinking about this concept of money, and you've heard me talk a lot about my youngest daughter, Casey Ray, and I have officially come to the conclusion that Casey Ray has a weird obsession for money. Um, I, I don't really know how to explain it. But it's, it's more than the average person's obsession, uh, especially for a six fiction to be seven-year-old, right? It's just, it's awkwardly much. To give you an example, uh, I found out recently from some of our V-Kids leaders that she's trying to sell them stuff during church. <laughs> like, what's happening? Yeah, my kid's in there hustling. You know, your kids are in there getting the Holy Spirit. My kid's in there hustling. I'm not really sure what's happening. When, when people ask her to do stuff, you've probably asked her to do something. Here's how she responds. Can I get a dollar for it? You know, like her, her response is always financial. Uh, the other night, my, my oldest, Veda, was at drama practice, and I took Casey Ray to Five Below, and I told her, I said, listen, you have $5 to spend, which means you can't get something that's $5, because I'm trying to teach her about taxes and the government and life, right? And so you can get something that's like $4 or less. And so we're talking through it, and we're shopping for a little bit, and she comes up to me, she goes, Dad, I got a deal for you. And I said, let me hear your deal. And she said, what if you gave me $6? And I said, okay, what would you do? And she said, well, first of all, I would share my candy with my sister. Oh, yeah, all. Uh, and she said, and then I'd give you a hug and a kiss, right? Y'all say all you want. I wanted to just uppercut her right there in the store. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I gave her the dollar, right? It is what it is. Um, but then recently, this is really funny, then recently she was in school, and I think we have this picture. Do we have this picture? Uh, her teacher sent us this. This is what she wrote in small group. Can y'all read that? My seven-year-old daughter is in small group at school, and she writes, I love cash. What have I done, church? I need some type of parental counseling. I don't know. You can take that picture. I don't, but, but look... I, I'm not saying that she's like biblically incorrect, right? She just likes cash. I, I don't even say she likes to spend it. I think she just likes to have it. Like it's something weird about it. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought about us. And I thought, you know what? If we were honest with ourselves, we love cash, right? You can act holy and spiritual all you want. 
But if I start throwing out $100 bills, you're going to be elbowing people in the side of the head, right? Uh, I mean, like, we just, look, I understand, please understand, I know the Bible says that the root of all evil, or the love of money is the root of all evil. I understand that. I'm not saying that we uh, love money more than God. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying we love cash. Like, we love Money, and there's a lot of reasons, because money brings happiness, and money brings security, and I understand all that. Money means you can eat tomorrow. Money means you can have heat. You can have air conditioner. You can have a car that runs. Having cash means that when your tire blows unexpectedly, you don't have to freak out. It means when all of a sudden there's a bill you weren't expecting, you don't have to freak out. I understand. I just want you to understand that I understand. Like, like we're in the same boat here. We enjoy. I'll change it to enjoy so that you'll join me. We enjoy money. But for some reason, there is this like stereotype that prevents people from talking about money in church. Now, again, I've been doing ministry for almost 20 years, and I hear this. I can't guarantee you that this stereotype is true, but you just kind of hear it, right? Like, I don't know for you personally. Maybe that, maybe it's not an issue for you. Maybe it is an issue for you. I don't know. But I don't know if it's, a, if it's a true stereotype or if it's just something that's being said and everybody just goes, yeah, it's true. But here's what I do know, is that if we are not careful, that very stereotype is going to cause some of us to miss out on what I believe is one of the most intimate and one of the most faith-filled interactions with God. I think trusting God with our finances and the provision of God is one of the most intimate and faith-filling, faith-filling interactions we can have with God. I think it's one of the greatest adventures. I think that there is nothing like seeing the glory of God through the provision that God has for his people. Some of the best Bible stories, some of the stories that you love are wrapped around numbers, sacrificial giving, and God's provision. Let's take feeding 5,000. Y'all know that story. Little boy comes in with a sack lunch, and Jesus takes it and feeds 15,000 people with it. Well, think about it. It's all about numbers. It's all about a sacrificial gift and God's provision. When Jesus turned water into wine at the wedding at Cana, his very first miracle, if you really break it down, it's all about numbers. We have these six pots. We have this much wine. It's all about a sacrificial offering when these guys went up to the master of the banquet and offered it up to them, and it's all about God's provision. He all of a sudden gave more wine, and he gave the best wine at the beginning or at the end, right? Think about the, uh, uh, um, oh, the miraculous catch. Where, where the disciples are in the boat and they put the net on the other side. If you think about it, and once again, it's all about provision, sacrificial giving, and numbers. Here's what I'm trying to get to. I think that the greatest adventure that you and I will ever experience is following Jesus Christ, okay? When we get saved, we get saved. We accept Christ as our Savior, and now we're going to heaven. And then we decide if we're going to allow Jesus to be the author of our life, which is what I talked about last week. And when you let Jesus be the author of your life, the adventure begins. And you know I'm right. If any of you have ever truly followed Jesus, you know what it's like to do things you never thought you were going to do and be places you never thought you would be because following Jesus is the greatest adventure we will ever experience. 
and allowing God to give us provision and be in charge of our financial resource, listen to me, is the adventure within the adventure. That makes sense? If following Jesus is the adventure, then allowing God to be the God of our finances is the, is the adventure inside the adventure. Wait a minute, Drew, are you saying people can follow Jesus and not allow him to be the God of their finances? I'm telling you, people try to do it all the time. Yeah, of course. A lot of times, for some reason, we separate the two, and I'm going to try to break that down here in a little bit. But I just want you to understand that it's possible that if because you've been taught incorrectly or because there's just a spirit of fear or maybe you're trying to be very smart and you don't feel like that makes sense, if you are missing out on this attribute, I'm, I was going to say it's a possibility. I'm going to guarantee you that you are missing out on one of the greatest adventures that we as Christians can experience in our walk with Jesus. So over the next couple of weeks, I want to talk to you about this greatest adventure. But listen to me, before we can ever go on this greatest adventure, in fact, every person that is currently on this greatest adventure has passed a certain test. Every person who's experiencing it has passed a test. For you to go on it, you're going to have to pass the test. And here's the test. You ready? It's the test of trust. That's the test. That's what we're talking about today. Our ability to trust. Let's go back to Acts chapter, or I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 16. I've been in Acts for too long. <laughs> Exodus chapter 16, watch this. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down what? Bread. All right, I'm gonna need y'all to help me out today. We're gonna teach that. I will rain down what? Bread. From where? Bread from heaven. That means that I'm going to walk outside and bread, rolls and biscuits and all this stuff is going to be dropping out of the sky. It's like, that's what heaven will be like for me. And so the people are go to, here, here's what's important. The people are to go out each day and they are to gather enough for that day. And in this way, I will what? I will test them. In this way, I will test them to see if they will what? Follow my instructions. Here's what God told his people. You ready? He said, I want you to go out this morning, and I want you to collect all that you need for just today. I do not want you to get enough for tomorrow. I do not want you to gather enough for the weekend. I want you to get just enough for today. And then I want you to trust me that I will provide again for you tomorrow. In that way, God tested them. In that way, God has put into motion a process that tested them to see if they would trust him. Did you catch that? He puts into motion this process. I want you to go out. I want you to collect all of this bread, and I want you to take it back to your house for your family, get enough for your family, but do not get more. Why, God? Because I want you to learn to trust me. I want you to learn to trust me. So I'm going to put into motion a process that is going to test you to make sure that you trust me. God's goal in this is to move us, watch this, it's to move us from entrusting ourselves for insurance into trusting God for assurance. 
Even though God told them, don't get more than you need for today. You get just enough for today. Don't get more. Even though he told them that, they still went out and got more. I'm going to talk to you next week about what happened to the extra that they got. Let's just say it involves maggots, okay? But, but the reason they did it, are you ready? Here's the reason they did it. Because they thought to themselves, I know God said he's going to give us enough for tomorrow, but just in case he doesn't, just in case he doesn't, I'm going to get a little extra just in case. And I got you, God. If you slip up, God, I got you. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're going to work together here. If you come in, good. I got some for the next day. But if you don't, I have enough. Trusting ourselves for insurance. This is why when we get paid, the very first thing that we pay for, more than likely, is our rent or our mortgage. The reason we do that is because we want to insure that we're going to have a roof over our head and that we're going to have somewhere to sleep. It's the reason why normally the second thing we budget for or we pay for is groceries or food because we want to ensure that we're going to have something to eat. It's why the next thing we often pay for is normally Netflix or some type of entertainment because we want to ensure that if I'm gonna work a 40-hour or 70-hour week, depending on where you work, then when I come home, the least I can do is enjoy a couple of shows on Netflix. We want to ensure that. There's nothing wrong with that. There's something in us that has this natural fear that if we don't ensure it, it might not be there tomorrow. And even though God says it, even though God says, don't get enough for today, trust me for tomorrow, we get enough just in case God doesn't come through. I need to have a house just in case God doesn't come through. I need to have a car just in case. I need to have food just in case God doesn't come through. Maybe I'm the only one, but here's how I sum it up. God promises to never leave me nor forsake me, but my landlord didn't. Am I right? God promised to never leave me nor forsake me, but the bank that I got the loan for my house did not. God promised to never leave me nor forsake me, but Netflix didn't. And so there's something in us that says, you know what? If I can't get God this time, he'll still be there for me. But something in me needs to ensure these things because there's something in me that's kind of afraid that tomorrow will come and those things won't be here. And this is why, this is the reason why the biggest test of our faith is through our finances. It's the biggest test of our faith. You wouldn't think it would be. I, I, I would think that the hardest thing we would have believing for is that Jesus died for our sins because eternity stands on that. But for some reason, we will believe that and trust that before we will trust him with our finances. And that's interesting to me. And it just goes on to prove that for you and I, as a Christ follower, the hardest test for us is often in our finances because it takes a different level of trust. One week, we were in Panama City. You guys know that we often go to Panama City for a week for our family vacation. My dad lives there. And it's the evening, it's getting kind of late. My in-laws had already gone to bed. 
And Veda says, can we play poker? We'd often play poker with the in-laws. And so she's like, can we play poker? We're like, sure, we can play poker. So we get the little box of chips out. You know, it's got hundreds and hundreds of chips and different value. We set them on the table, and we just get a couple of chips and give them to, some to Veda, some to me, some to Darla. We're just going to play, you know, about 30 minutes or so before bed. Casey Ray comes in, but she can't play poker. She doesn't know how, you know, doesn't, can't compute and so what we do is we just slide her the box of chips, right? And we're like, here, you play with these while we play poker. So we're playing. We're going good. Darla's beating, taking all of our money. Meanwhile, Casey Ray has taken the box and dumped the box out on the table, and there's just hundreds of poker chips all over the table. And she's watching, and when Darla gets low, she just starts sliding Darla some chips, right? So I'm like, ah, I see what's happening here. Like, that's the reason why Darla's been so bold all night. It's because she knows that in her pocket is the person that has all the poker chips. So if she gets low, you know, she can just be like, and then Casey Ray can just slide some over. I was thinking about that, and it hit me. When we start to believe that God actually owns all the poker chips, then there'll be some faith in us to rise up and to step out a little bit more with faith because we understand that the relationship we have with God, he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. What does that mean? That means if he needs to meet your resource, he will cause someone to walk up to you in a grocery store and say, I don't know you, but God told me to give you some groceries. That's the God we serve. And when we understand that God has all the poker chips, God's not up there writing bounce checks. He's not wondering if Peter can pay Paul so that he can bless you. He owns every resource. And when we can grasp that, hopefully it helps us a little bit in trusting him and stepping out and believing him for our provision. The easiest thing for God to do, please hear this, the easiest thing for God to do is to provide the financial resource that we need. The hardest thing for him to do is to get us to trust him and take that step of faith. Isn't that wild? The easiest thing for him to do is to meet the need. The hardest thing for him to do is to get us to trust him that he will meet the need. In the Bible, there's a principle introduced called the tithe. It's the principle of the tithe. That tithe principle talks about how you and I should give 10% of our income to the storehouse is what the Bible says. The storehouse would be where you fed spiritually. Where do you go to get spiritually? fed spiritually? Where do your kids go to get fed spiritually? Where do you serve? What is your church home? That kind of aspect. And the Bible talks about 10%, the tithe. Anytime in the Bible where you look up the number 10, it represents a test. The 10 commandments were a test on God's people. The 10 plagues were a test on Pharaoh. The 10 virgins, they were tested. The amount of days that Daniel was tested, 10. Anywhere throughout the Bible, the number 10 represents testing. So if you've ever wondered, why 10%? Why 10%? Because it biblically follows the concept that God is testing us, that this is a test to see if we will follow his instructions. It's a test to see if we will trust him. The principle of the tithe was the test that God put in place to move our trust off of ourselves and onto God. It's the test that's out there, listen to me, to move you from trusting in yourself for insurance to trusting God 
for assurance. I shared this one time during the 2020 debacle when we were meeting online, but it talks about first fruits. And it talks about the concept of when farmers would, they would have, you know, they would have their, whatever their uh, particular source was, whatever vegetable, and they would take the first development of it and they would take it and offer it to the Lord in a way of saying, watch this, in a way of saying, God, I'm not trusting the weather for the next batch. I'm trusting you. That's why tithe is always the first 10%. It's a way of you and I coming and saying, God, I don't trust my job for my financial resource. You know why you can't trust your job? because you could be fired tomorrow. That job could close down tomorrow. It happens all the time. I don't trust my abilities for my resource. Why? Because I could get in some kind of accident tomorrow. God, I'm trusting you. I trust you for that source. I trust you. I give you that. That's the test that I trust you. Watch this. And then tomorrow, I'll trust you again. Instead of trying to figure out how to ensure myself I will just step out in faith and trust you. There's a young lady in our church that started tithing this year, and she sent us a testimony earlier back, and I wanted to share it with you. She said, after moving and purchasing my new house, I felt like I was falling short. I didn't feel like I was in the spot to tithe. We've all been there. You've all experienced something and said, man, I'm just not in a situation right now where I can afford it. Listen, we're all honest, real people. We've all been there. Looking at the money, (laughs) it don't add up. I can't afford to tithe. It's like I was constantly having excuses. So back in April, I decided that now is the time. And no matter what, as soon as that, I love this, no matter what, as soon as that check hit my bank account, I would tithe, no questions. I didn't look ahead at bills. I just did it. I felt like I have grown closer to God. I'm praying more. I'm talking with him more. And since tithing, I have had many unexpected life bills come up. And not only have I been able to pay them with no hesitation, but I have been months ahead in all of my regular bills. I've been able to save money like never before. And honestly, this is my favorite part. Sometimes I feel like I have no idea how I'm so far ahead and how my future savings have been so great. All I know is that God is good and faithful. Come on, let's give God praise real quick. What she's saying, that's just a real individual that goes to church here. I didn't, I didn't you know, convince her to write that. She just stepped out and trusted God. And I love the part where she said, I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't even know how it happens. And it made me go back to Exodus 16, verse 4, when God says, I'm going to drop bread from heaven. Because I don't know about you, but, but that's, that's a crazy thought to me. That's a I don't know where it came from thought that all of a sudden I'm going to be walking and bread's just going to fall down from heaven. This was God's way of letting us know that he will meet our need with resources that we didn't even know existed. He can meet our need with resources that we didn't even know existed. And so I want to challenge you just for a moment because I've been there and you've been there. We've all had the moment where we kind of sit down and do the math. And I'm working on a message, and maybe a couple weeks from now, I'm going to title it, God's Bad at Math. Because we've all kind of sat down and just looked at the math before and been like, this just doesn't make sense. I don't know how this is going to work. But once again, it's the concept of trusting God. Put yourself in the shoes of those Israelites when they're grabbing the bread. They, they haven't been able to eat in a while, and now they have this provision, and they're going and they're grabbing it. And imagine how hard it would have been for them to trust God and not gather more. 
but to trust God and walk back knowing I've got enough for today and God's going to provide for tomorrow. So I want to give you a thought, and this is kind of how I want to launch this series, because first of all, you understand that this whole series is going to challenge our trust in God, our trust to be able to step out and believe he's going to provide for us and lead us in our financial provision. But there's one thing that you need to understand about your money before we can actually take this step into the direction of it being a great adventure. And here's what you need to understand is that when it comes to your finances, they are what you make of them. The dollar you have, it is what you make of it. Let me explain. Let's go back to Acts chapter 16, verse 13. Watch this. That evening, quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. I can't wait to explain that to you next week. And when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? Everybody say, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And then Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. Now, in case you don't know, let me tell you my church background. I got saved when I was 18 years old. I started attending church at that point. Uh, It took years before I ever actually started reading the Bible and ever actually started getting involved in church and then went on to ministry. And so often, when I sat in the pew of a church and a pastor said, the, the Lord said, that's bread from heaven, my mind said, it must be bread from heaven, right? Like, I pictured, like, bread falling from heaven. I bought it a couple days ago so they'd be able to take that, all right? But, but anybody with me? Am I the only one? Maybe I'm the only dumb one, all right? So I literally was like, okay, when I read that, that's what I pictured, because Moses said bread from heaven, And then I was reading it one day, and I thought, but then why did they say, what is it? Because if this was just sitting out on the ground, and there was like thousands of these little, is this a baguette or a French roll? I don't know what it is. Okay. But if you just looked out of your window, and there were thousands of these on the ground, here's what they would have said. Hey, where did that bread come from? Or, hey, whose bread is that? Because they would have recognized bread. So I was really confused when I heard that they said, what is it? What is it? And then the more studying I did, the more I realized, watch this, that God did not give them bread, but he had had given them seed. So the provision that God gave them, listen to me, was not bread. It was actually a seed. I'll prove it to you. Go Go to Numbers chapter 11. Watch this. Numbers chapter 11, verse 7 and 8. The manna was like coriander seed. And it looked like, I can't pronounce that word, resin? Resin? Thank you. The people went around gathering it, and this is so important, and then they would grind it in a hand mill or crush it in a mortar, and they cooked it in a pot, and they made it into loaves. So I went to the store, and I got some coriander seed. And I'm like, oh, Okay, this is making so much sense now. Now, I didn't say it was coriander seed, but it said it was like coriander seed. One, one verse in the Bible says it was white, and it could have been bigger. I don't really know, but it was, it was seed. So when they walked outside, this was not on the ground. Seed was. So when they walked out and saw the seed, they said, hey, what is it? 
And Moses said, I'll tell you what it is. It's the bread that God is providing from heaven. Well, it don't look like bread. I've seen bread before. That's not a biscuit. I've seen them in grand cans. You know what I mean? I've seen them homemade. I've seen Hickory Falls rolls and Legends rolls and old Charlie's rolls. That's not bread. And Moses would have said, no, 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 no. You're right. It's not bread. It's seed. So you have to go and collect it. Get as much as you think you need. Get it. Go back to your house. We're going to have coriander seed all over the church. Go back to your house. Put it into something. Grind it. And then here's my favorite part. Then add what you want to to it. You can put some honey in it. You can make it sweet. You can make it savory. And then cook it and eat it. Troy, that's great. Some great biblical knowledge. What in the world does that have to do with me? Listen to me. The resource that comes into your hand, if you're responsible for it, then it shows up as bread. If you let God be responsible for it, then it's a seed. And it's all about what you make of it. You take the seed. Every time you get a paycheck, don't walk out talking about, I got bread. Because you don't have bread. You have seed. And it's your decision. As the steward over the finances that come into your house, as a man or a woman of God, it is your responsibility and your decision to say, this is a seed that God has given me. And it's up to me what I do with it. And if I trust myself for insurance, it's not going to go very far. But if I trust God for assurance, then I put this seed in the hand of God. And what can happen with it is way beyond what could ever happen with it if it's just mine. We, for some reason, think that when we tithe, we're giving money away. All we're doing is saying, God, hold this for me. You take it. You make it out of something. I know you'll give me what I need, but you can do so much more with it. You can bless others and me. You can fulfill needs and me. All right, I'm going to give you an example. All right, I don't know if y'all remember me telling this. I'm going to tell you again. A couple years ago, we always do an end of the year purpose prevails offering, which we're going to do again this year. And one year I'm talking to Darla, and I said, uh, hey, this is, this is the amount that I think God's telling me you know, for us, our, our family to give. And she's like, okay. And so we, we made that decision in our mind. The time came to write the check. And I like to keep a cushion in my bank account. Now, let me understand. Let me help you understand something. Cause you might hear me saying, well, isn't that that way of trusting yourself for insurance? When you trust God with your finances, he'll bless you and give you a savings account. Amen. Did you hear her testimony? I got money in savings. I don't even know how it's happening. All right. But there's a certain place I used to be really poor, all right? So there's a certain place where I like to have kind of a cushion. And so I remember telling Darla, I said, babe, here's the problem. I said, when I write this check, the cushion's gone. Like, it's, it's gone. Which means if we go to Kroger and spin out of our budget, we get declined. It's gone. And so we talked about it. It's like, but you know what? We, we, this is the amount we felt like God told us to give, and we're trusting God. So this was a December. We wrote that check. We sent that check. We watched that check come out of the bank. You ever done that before? Like you just sit there and watch it disappear? Like, man, that, ah, that hurt, you know? January 2nd, we're driving down the street. 
I get a phone call from, from my pastor. He pastors in Oklahoma. He calls me. He says, hey, man, what you doing? We talked for a second. He says, hey, I'm just calling to let you know. Check your mailbox because we sent you and Darla a check. And I said, what? He said, listen to me. It's not for the church. It's for you. It's for you and Darla. I said, yes, sir. So we talked for a little bit. A couple days later, I go and check the mailbox, open check. To the penny, it is the exact amount that we had given in Purpose Prevails. All right? Two things happen here. Number one, that was money that came from somewhere I didn't expect it to come from. That's bread from heaven. I, 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 didn't, I never knew he was going to give us any money. It's not something I expect. It doesn't happen on a regular basis. But then the Lord showed me this, and here's what I really want you to understand. When we gave that money to the church and the purpose prevails, the church then budgeted it to all of these different outreaches. So the money that we had, okay, went and met this need and that need and this need, and then once it was all over, God gave us the money back. So we still had the exact amount of money we had, but instead the money we gave went and did all this work. I might be confusing you. Follow with me for a second. If we keep it, let me use bread. If this is what I got and I keep it, then this is all it does, right? It pays for us to go to the movies or it pays for, you know, Cheetos or whatever. This is all it does. But if I give it to God, it goes and does all of these things and then it comes back to me and I can still get Cheetos. <laughs> and this is the principle that God's talking about. And for any person who's never understood it this way, God is not asking you to trust him so that you can do without. God says, give me that seed and watch what I can do with it. And not only will you be taken care of, but your neighbor will be taken care of, and Isaiah 117 will be taken care of, and Katie Carter in Costa Rica will be taken care of, and all of these things will happen, and you won't ever do without. I think that's why it's important that we talk about it. Because it is a test of your trust. But it's also causing you to miss out on being a part of something that's greater than you could ever imagine. So, starting next week, I'm going to put something in your hand. And let me explain it real quick because we've never done this before as a church. You'll get a card for you to pray over, for you and your family to pray over. The first part is for those of you that you give faithfully, and it's, it's a challenge for you to pray about the end of the year offering. I'll talk more about that as the weeks go. The second part is the new part. We're calling it God's guarantee. And here's the idea. In the Bible, God says, test me when it comes to financial provision. He says, test me. It's the only thing in the Bible where he says, test me. And so we want to give you that opportunity as a church to test God, to step out in faith, but you're kind of not stepping out in faith. And here's what I mean by that. There's a whole process on the card that will explain it, but for 90 days, if you will give faithfully, if you will start to tithe for 90 days, and what we're saying is if at the end of those 90 days, God has not blessed you to a point where you want to keep giving, we'll give you 100% of your money back. That's the mindset. I believe so much in what God's doing in my life financially and the people that I know that give financially that I want to be able to give you that opportunity. And so literally, you can, you can test God. 
You can step out and do it. Now, there's all kinds of stuff. Look, don't be walking up to people going, I gave 5,000 the other day in the offering basket. God ain't done nothing. We need 5,000 back. It doesn't work that way. We'll talk more about that later. But for those of you that are in this room, and that's always been an area that you wanted to be better at, I want to help you. This isn't some kind of like, mm -hmm, this is, man, come on. I mean, let's do this. Let's experience God's favor together. And I would never preach this to you if it wasn't something that I'm currently living. I'm just telling you, God's blessing is in my financial life. And it's 100% because we tithe regularly. I'm just, I'm just sharing it with you. If I'm going to be your pastor, I can't not share this with you. And so I want to do everything I can to help you experience that. I have a friend that pastors in Clarksville, and he has a, a guy in his church. He does this God's guarantee concept. And he had this guy in his church come to him. He said, I did it because I wanted to prove you wrong. He said, I did it just because I couldn't wait to get to the end of 90 days and ask you for my money back. And after it was all over, he said, number one, he said, not only will I tithe again for the rest of my life, he said, but when I started this, he said, I had a truck and I couldn't sell it. He said, two weeks in, I sold the truck for more than I was asking for. Two weeks in. And there was other things that he was needing, bills, debt that got paid off, just ridiculous stuff because he tested God and God showed up to be faithful. And that's the opportunity that I want you to be able to have. I want you to be able to experience that. Next week, we're gonna talk about God's protection over our financial life. We're going to talk about how God's bad at math. We're going to talk about all these things that Exodus shows us when it comes to God being the provision in our life. And then at the end of that, we're going to give you the opportunity to be involved in that commitment, to be able to see God move in your life. I think it's important for you, and I think it's important for your family. Amen? Do me a favor. Would you stand with me? I just want to pray over you. I want to give you the opportunity to pray. Just in case this is something that has been difficult for you before, I just believe that the favor of God and the peace of God is here for you. And so I want to pray over you as we begin this journey, as we begin this adventure. But as I'm praying, I'm asking you to pray too. I'm asking you to pray too because you know you know where you are. You know where you are mentally with it. You know where you are in your heart with it. And I think it's important that because this might be that very place that's the last place God needs to get in to be able to have complete control. So pray with me. Father, I thank you right now for your word. I thank you for your grace, for your mercy. I thank you for Jesus Christ who died for our sins. I thank you that we're saved by the blood of Jesus. But I thank you that after that, you're not just this detached God that sets up in heaven and sees how we perform, but you do life with us, Father. You walk this life out with us. You guide us. You lead us. You father us. And this is definitely an area where you have proven to be faithful for so many people. And I can remember the time in my life, I really can, where I just could not trust you for this where it was so hard and I never had the opportunity like a God's guarantee. But Father, I also remember the day that I stepped out and started trusting you. And I remember how my life was changed and so much stress and anxiety and worry was removed from my life. And if there's just one person in this room 
There's just one in this room that needs this. And Father, it's worth it. So I pray over every person that you'd move on their heart right now in the way that only your Holy Spirit can do. That you begin to speak to them, challenge them. Let them know that you want to reveal yourself to them like never before. And this is the way you're going to do it. Help us, Father, to step out and trust you. And help us to understand that when we are given a resource, if we will give that resource back to you, not only will you bless us, but you will do so much more with it. Is there any more evident example of that, Father, than the feeding of the 5,000? Thank you that that little boy didn't hold back his lunch, but he was willing to give it to you and trust you. And because he trusted you, the Bible said that he had plenty and with leftover. And so did everybody else. And that's what you want to do through us. Not only do you want to give us plenty, but you want to bless others. Real quick, hey, look at me real quick. I'm sorry, I, I, I need to share this word with you. I feel like the Lord's telling me. Somebody in here wants to be at a place of plenty. You want to be where you have plenty. And I can't shake that word. Because go back to what I just said. The little boy has his sack lunch. That's his food. That's his provision. He gives it to God knowing I, maybe I have no provision. Maybe I have nothing now. Jesus takes it, feeds everybody, and the Bible says to the word that they have plenty and they have left over. Think about this. Could trusting God with your financial resource actually put you in a place where you are able to bless other people have plenty, and maybe even some leftovers. Would you want to be in that situation in life? I know I would. I would love to be. I actually think I'm kind of almost already there. But I know where God's going to challenge me. And I'm just telling you right now, this is real stuff. And if we'll do it together, you're going to experience it. Amen? So let me pray, close out, and then we'll go into worship. Thank you, Father. We just worship you this morning. I just pray that word would sink on the hearts of your children and on this church and that you would continue to educate us, make us better, make us stronger so that we can impact other people, so that we can walk in plenty, so that we can have leftovers, so that we can have financial peace and that we can be a blessing to other people. We know your word is true. We know that you say test us or test you. And Father, help us to step out in that trust. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen.